and welcome everyone to another episode of Beauty and the Berg. I'm your host Cindy Stovall and we're here at Freefall Theater today because we are talking about the incredible new production of The Agitators on the main stage and we have with us today the star that plays Susan B. Anthony, uh, Jennifer Krista Palmer. Hello, thanks welcome, for me. Welcome, welcome, and we also have, as always, the amazing Matt McGee who says he's not going to be a part of it, but you know he's going to answer a question. Or two. You know, if you need any, if you need to know when the show is and what time and everything, I'm here for you. Absolutely. Thank you, my darling. Okay. So I went to last night's performance, and I have to tell you, I was just so impressed. I really was. The first question, and the question I always hear buzzing in the audience, is that when it's a show of only one or two of two principals. And there's that much dialogue. How do you rem how is that remembered? Everyone in the audience, are, how do they do that? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, well, we come into rehearsals very open and with a very strong work ethic. And I think uh, repetition is helpful. I know when we went came in for our first preview, there was a lot of, okay, all of the pieces are starting to fall into place. Um, but there is something really lovely about starting a rehearsal process at the table and focusing just on the script, focusing just on the words. And with the two of us, with the two of us, it we have we take time to run a scene if it's been a little sticky or, or putting in the time, putting in the work. And again, memorization is a, a skill. As actors, it's a required one for us. Yes, indeed, it really is. Um, it, it's just so impressive. So Matt, though, this was a production that was originally scheduled for another time, yes? That's was right. It? And even, and I believe you were even attached to it then. I was. JCP. Yeah. Um, this production was supposed to take place in the summer. And we, we had just come off a play called A Skeptic and a Bruja, which was kind of a lovely kind of ghost story. And uh, we were going to go into that show. And then in the fall, it was a play about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And Eric kind of thought, you know, we, we, we've lined up a couple of political shows. Wouldn't it be nice to... We threw a Neil Simon in there, as close to Neil Simon as Eric could ever get with Rose and Walsh, <laughs> one, of, one of Neil Simon's more serious pieces. But we thought that that one might break it up, and we knew we would do Agitators again, so we did move it. We, we, he just wanted to be flexible, because he didn't want the show to sort of get lost in the shuffle. Right. And so um, it, it kind of... It, kind of made an appearance even with with another change because agitators fell into a slot right after Christmas that almost was inhabited by another show but what we've learned during these past three years and during this pandemic is blessed are the flexible for they will not be bent out of shape and so we <laughs> we can I think we have a pair of a fable in the play about oh, being a reed as opposed yes. to being the oak tree yes and so we've learned how to really pivot and if we have and, and we can see if a show where a show sort of belongs. And if we see we're not setting it up for success, Eric will move things around. I know that's sort of unusual and maybe slightly controversial at times because a lot of people like to get their show set and what they're gonna do. But I think he's always been able to quickly adjust and he knew that he thought Agitators would be a good show during this time, during this month, he just thought it seemed like the perfect time to, to do it. So yeah. um, that's kind of how it happened. And, and he loves it so, so I know he, he knew he wanted it to at least be done. Um, the first time he read it, I remember I was sitting in the office and he goes, you got to read this. This is really a great play. Mm -hmm. This was a couple years ago. That, that's, that's how I felt. I mean, um, uh, playwright is Matt Smart. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, Jennifer, you and I were talking before we started recording about really the brilliance of the dialogue here. Tell, tell us what you were most impacted by uh, in reading it. 
I think the way he has been able to dramatize this friendship and the, the basis of history that it's set in while still using the words that both Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass wrote or said or was part of a speech or a lecture or a letter, it's got a little bit of a heightened language to it because it's from another time, which again is a challenge for the actor, but the way that he's done it is so, it, it's crafted in such a beautiful way that like a regular argument ends up having this whole other level because we're sharing ideas that are greater than just the two of us. Right. Yeah. I was so impressed by the ability to marry drama because you're still doing a production on stage. So there's drama that's historically accurate and the dialogue is weaved into a way that shows you both the personal, the historic, the dramatic, and they're currently relevant, frankly. Very. <laughs> How do you find the themes, and you know, we'll talk more about specifically what, what's in the show, but how do you find the themes? If anyone knows the history of either Susan B. Anthony or Frederick Douglass, they know that they were both activists, worked mutually on each other's causes for <laughs> suffrage and for um, a, a, equality for black Americans. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and they sometimes came, came at odds yes. in the way that they pursued those things. Talk about um, how you feel that what they went through back then is relevant today. I think both of these individuals, we can call them icons, I do mm -hmm. have called them I icons, think, yeah. 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 Um, they were so ahead of their time in wanting and striving for and taking steps to make this, a, we, we repeat this as a theme throughout the play, uh, make this a country for all. This is what we've got, it's, it's malleable, we can change it and make it better. Um, both of them had a lovely sense of, of destiny, of, of positivity, knowing that they were working towards making a better world, that these were necessary steps for this nation to be able to change and grow and better itself. Um, I think that that is one of the things that I was most drawn to about the play, that it came from such a positive place. They knew that they were doing good work, and they knew that we could, we could improve from where we were at. Um, I don't know that that answers your question. No, but, but I mean, what do you, what do you think, Matt? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, we were talking about the same thing, the, re the relevance, unfortunately or otherwise, of you know, some of these themes really still not being totally resolved. You know what Eric loved. Today. Yeah, you know what Eric loved most about this show when he chose it was their friendship. Yes. Eric believes that during this time, we, we we really do spend a lot of our time finding out what makes us different. We're talking about all of our differences now, and and we're really not talking about the things that make us the same. And he picked this show because he said, "Look at these two people who love each other, who disagree sometimes very strongly, and agree on a lot as well." Look at them forge a friendship. Some of my favorite parts of the show are not the sh parts where they talk about what they've done or what they plan to do. It's when they talk about their lives and who they are. Uh, there, there are some touching moments, no spoilers, but there's some moments later in the play as they grow older that the idea that they, have, they experience loneliness in a very different way or being alone is very poignant. And mm -hmm. um, it's tough to do what they did and be who they were. And like you, we, you, I think you were saying this even when we, when we weren't recording, there's something unique in this that you do see a lot of what they fought for is still, uh, um, you know, that you still think we have a long way to go because from their time, things have improved, 
but there's still so much that hasn't. And so they would still be angry about so many. They would still be agitating. (laughs) If they were still with us today, they would still be agitating and they'd be amazing guests on The View and other things, you know, because they they knew how to also use the media to their advantage and and use the government to their advantage. And they were able to really get that. I I say the show should be really called The Influencers. Because that's what they are in yeah. many ways. And they'd be out there today fighting for some of the same things they fought for then. Right. So it is fascinating. And I think especially in today when you see rollbacks of abortion rights or when you see, you know, the, the kind of, you know, uh, just the, the, some of the police brutality we've even seen just recently. Some of the some of the way that certain communities are policed. It's, it's, it's very troubling. Those would be things that Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass would still be fighting uh, about today, yeah, you know, no and for. No doubt. I'm, I, I'm sure you agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people would be surprised. I mean, I was saying the same thing. I love history. I did not know. I knew that he supported, in that documentary we were talking about, he came and gave a speech, um, you know, supporting women's suffrage. I did not know the, the breadth of their friendship and that they both lived in Rochester. Yeah. You know, these were things I didn't know. We were also talking about that there's a beautiful statue in the park in Rochester that shows Frederick Douglass and Susan B. Anthony sitting, having tea at a yeah. table, just immortalized. So they're both buried there, right? Are, are they both? I think they are. I can't remember where he is buried exactly. I don't know if they're buried in the same place, but okay. um, but I don't I don't know that. I guess we should know that. We can always do no, it for I, later I in the show. I, I believe they was, are buried in the same place. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. But, there is a stage direction in the very final scene, um, the monologue that I give, where I... Right. I don't want to spoil it. Never yeah. mind. I'm going to keep my trap shut. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it's a great moment where she, things are coming full circle for, mm-hmm. for Susan, and, and it's a very important spot that she goes to. The, the one the thing play. that I always lament, I mean, I'm glad that she got to cast a ballot, however illegal it was, but that she didn't live no. long enough to see the 19th Amendment yeah. passed. And Frederick has that great speech in the the second to last scene. Again, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, but sure. He has he he truly believed when he was supporting the Fifteenth Amendment right. to get black men the right to vote. He truly believed that women were right on his heels. And it's twenty four years later, exactly. and it still and hasn't happened. I and, really and thought that, you were right and there. And it was still years, Beyond still that. years yeah. to come. Yeah, yeah still it's years fascinating. to come. Yeah, and uh, that was the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about was about their. Um, the conflicts that they had because they believed that sometimes and Susan B. Anthony did the same thing you know she made many compromises along the road to the vote that she probably normally wouldn't have made or and that like Elizabeth Cady Stanton was totally against that Frederick Douglass was totally against they both had to make compromises in what they truly believed in order to get the one little step yeah Mm -hmm. our ideals are the same we differ on strategy yeah yeah that's exactly the show Mm -hmm. right Exactly, but and yet they maintain their friendship even when even at those moments. Remarkable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. There was so much love between them and so much um, camaraderie, so much of a sense of, of of supporting each other in each other's fights. And I, I, one of the things that I most loved about this play, and in so doing it night after night, is that you get to see that there is a, a palpable sense of how much these two cared about each other and how much that they. I guess we were cheer- we're cheerleaders of each other. Yeah. Yes, and the the immense respect mm-hmm. yeah. that they had for one another, and and also, you know, it was an unusual friendship. Even though there were so many things that made it obvious why they would be friends, but for the time, it was a dangerous. Friendship. Oh, absolutely. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. And it was 
fraught as well. They weren't afraid of expressing their opinions if they were <laughs> differing. Many of the arguments that we have on stage are, you can, I, I feel it's very important to lean into the relationship and the conflict goes over top of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One of the fascinating things that I found in the play was the particular argument that Susan B. Anthony had with Frederick Douglass about kind of his relationship with his wife. Which wife? <laughs> the first one. Yeah. Anna. Anna, yeah. not Helen. But, but where she kind of points out his... They both had some insensitivities to each other's plight. You know, they, they understood overall, they were for it in, in principle, but they both had some basic misunderstandings of what the other was going through. And, and I, I just, it didn't occur to me that Frederick Douglass would be a little bit of a misogynist. But. And I don't think it was an intentional no, oversight. No, not was, at all. It, you know, the culture of the time, the, the age that he grew up in, you know, how he was raised, these exactly. were the roles that, that husbands and wives had. And had he not had a friend like Susan to say, hey, I'm going to hold up this mirror to you, this doesn't really scan with what you're saying. The fact that they had a relationship that, I, that she could call him on the carpet and be like, hey, you're living kind of what I'm talking about right now so uh-huh uh-huh and you know and also as much as you can believe in his particular cause there would be no way that you could ever mm-hmm. truly know what he went through mm-hmm. oh what, yeah what sure sure through. I think that's an important part of the show too mm-hmm. they they, tr- they really try hard to understand one another but they it's not all, it's not easy for them to do it their their backgrounds their the way they were the way their lives turned out were so different and, but by many things they could not control. Yeah. But it just gets back again, really, to the brilliant writing of this play. I'm so impressed yeah. with, the, with the personal stories, with uh, you really feel their friendship. It's palpable. It's absolutely believable. I believe that both of you were your characters, and that is not an easy thing to do. That is quite the compliment. Thank you. I believed you, and L. James, is it L. James? Yeah, L. James. Oh, my gosh. Right. The booming voice on that man is perfect for for this. Costuming and wigs and the set. It's a very, very lovely production to look at I think it is executed well in terms of when they come out there it's pretty powerful stuff you feel like you're spending an evening or afternoon with Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass. Yes and and the set works so beautifully for all of the sites they're mm-hmm. supposed to be in you believed you were in a ballpark you believed you were in in both her home his home you know wherever they were yeah. in DC or in New York or in wherever they were you you bought it yeah and it, it just, the interchanging parts, and of course, always the video that, uh, that Eric develops yeah. and Freefall yeah. utilizes in oh. every production just really it helps advance the dialogue and supports in the such themes. A, a way that is almost, you almost forget that it's there. Like yeah. you, you reference it at the top of the scene, oh, this is where we are, and then you're in the scene. It's almost a, a, a permission slip. Yeah, sure. <laughs> a permission slip for creative imagination. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. What is, what is the thing about Susan B. Anthony that you most, most admire, Jennifer? That I most admire? I have to say her pragmatism. Yeah, she's a real practical, this needs to be done, I'm going to do it. She was so driven and so on point, specifically right. with what she wanted. I feel like a lot of, 
a lot of that was maybe her work ethic from being a Northeasterner or from a her Quaker. upbringing, a Quaker, yes, yes. All of those things kind of came into play, but I think she has a, a real sense of fact, drive, and pragmatism. And don't stop until... Don't stop until you get what you want. Stop. Yeah, yeah. I just, the doggedness of that woman through, mm -hmm. through the decades, because the play starts in 1849, and mm -hmm. really the very first convention for women's suffrage in upstate New York was the year before. Yeah, That was really the very, very beginning, 1848, of the women's suffrage movement. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at it through the lens, and that time period, really, abolition was the more predominant mm -hmm. theme. So, you know, we're, but, but they especially Frederick Douglass spoke at a lot of the suffrage yeah. events and I mean they really they really were, were there for one another. If there was anything about Susan that um, that you thought was either uh, you know a, a protagonist flaw or a, you know. Oh, that's interesting. It is interesting. Do, do you feel like she had one? Mm. I think she probably leaned into her own lens of the world heavily. It was, it, based on what we have for text in this play, it's very hard for her to see things through his eyes. Mm -hmm. She only sees things through her way. Mm -hmm. And there's a little mm -hmm. bit of a resistance whenever he's asked her to say, hey, can you please look at this the way I see it? Right. And she's very hesitant to do so. Eventually does because of their friendship and because right. of, you know she's trying to guide him help him through a very tough time mm -hmm. but yeah I, I would and say. it pushed her to make some decisions along the way that were extremely controversial and Certainly. that alienated a large you know to kind of in the same way that frederick did move forward your agenda at the expense of black women voters yeah. for a time yeah you know that was a very determined decision to yeah. To move forward, but she calls it a compromise. But yeah. Yeah, a compromise. but he didn't see it that way, yeah. right? And but neither did I, Ida B. Wells, or you know anybody well, who was of critical of her for that particular moment. And she didn't see it as a compromise when he supported the Fifteenth Amendment. Yeah. So, yeah, And these are like the huge kind of the the huge conflicts in their lives, but it's because they were so intent on doing. Yeah, it's so funny when you said it almost sounds like her strength was also her weakness in a way too. Yeah, because she was so uh, so right, so focused, so laser focused on things that she missed some stuff too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We had some interesting discussions in rehearsal at the table. Um, the first scene, which is where they meet, uh, she is twenty nine, and he is just a couple of years older than her. And in their first meeting, she has heard about him. He is a friend of her father's. Obviously, he's already come to his fame. Um, and his, his, his speaking abilities. And she, I feel like the, the, the crystallization that happens for her in development as herself as an agitator happens in that first scene because she's meeting somebody who she's admired and who is already doing what she's about to do. I feel like he plants the seeds for her and he takes her from being an idealist, perhaps an idealist and, and somebody who might work for change, social change, to becoming an agitator. I really feel like he was the impulse for that to happen. Right, I love that. A, a, a very a good catalyst for her, mm -hmm. for her ethic and her drive. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk a little bit. Let's just talk a little bit about uh, L. James's performance too. I sure. Mean, you were remarkable. Thank you. Like I said, I really believed that you were her, mm -hmm. and you know, and I've studied a lot about both of them. 
Um, so that's pretty good. <laughs> and the costume design, yeah. I mean, it lent itself oh, yeah. so David Kovach, David Kovach from the Oslo Rep and, and then Lauren Pretorius, who is a wig designer all over the place. She yeah. worked mm. with Paul Huntley, who is, you know, the, the, the guru of Broadway wigs. He's no longer with us, but, um, she, she's tours all over with uh, Kate Pearson from the B-52s mm-hmm. doing her hair and makeup for shows. Yeah. But it, bringing her on, too, it, it really it was really important that they looked as much as uh, like them as possible. But also a, a, a great design for the theater. Oh, Because the colors and things are, are very lush and very beautiful. Yes. So in, in talking about uh, Isle James, is not here, so we'll just, you know, give a little discussion He'll love of, that. His, <laughs> of his performance. So how... How did it feel for you in your character? You know, did did it feel like you were indeed engaging with Frederick Douglass? I have a front row seat to brilliance every night. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot sing his praises enough. He is wonderfully present as an actor, but there is a lovely sense of abandon that happens when we step into these roles and get to play off of each other. It feels like a little bit of the violin conversation that happens between him and his wife. That's a nice little moment that happens in that first scene and uh that's what it feels like every well, argue, arguably susan was probably the second mo- or most important relationship in his life yeah i think about she that would sometimes. make that argument absolutely <laughs> she would i think about that when i've seen because i've seen it quite a few times i think about that too yeah, yeah. about them but that voice of his oh yeah oof, that. i worked with him at the oslo rep he was a he was a student of the uh fsu oslo conservatory uh, graduate of their MFA program, and I worked with him when I was uh, in The Music Man at the Oslo Rep. And when this show came up, um, I think Eric very quickly knew he wanted Susan B. Anthony, but the search was on for a Frederick Douglass. Yeah, so this is his first free fall. First free fall show. He's done quite a few shows. No, 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 this is my fourth. <laughs> he, he's uh, done quite a few shows at Urbanite and, and his cor- of course worked right. at the Oslo in, in Rep. The area, in right. the area, And then he's worked elsewhere and, it's, and done some film work. But um, he. Uh, I, I, I really thought of him quickly, and I, I, I sent his name to to uh, Eric and 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 Kristen, and, and of course he you know he did the rest. I yes. contacted him and asked for a video and all that stuff that that, that we do now in casting. But finding the Frederick Douglass was going to be hard. We knew we Brilliant had Susan casting. B. Anthony, mm-hmm. and I, I just felt like he would really be able to do this, and so Boy, they, they loved his audition. So yeah, it went from there. So and you've already won several Theater Tampa Bay I Outstanding have. Featured Actress awards yes. for. What, the importance of being earnest with, with zombies, zombies. And, uh, <laughs> and Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. Yes. I think you did. Did you do multiple roles? Yes, I was Tybalt, Lady Capulet, um, Peter, and I'm forgetting one. This was many years ago. Yeah, played it all. <laughs> but yeah, we did it with a cast of eight, and six of us did multiple characters. Yeah, that was the very second show that I worked on here in my capacity now. So yeah, how, that's ten years ago, maybe yeah. a decade. Yeah. yeah. So what's what's the coolest thing about uh, doing a production at Free Fall Theater? Honestly, free fall theater. <laughs> what what Eric has created and the, the 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 people that he has brought together. There is something beautiful about coming to work every day with somebody who's already working at the top of their game and willing to play and willing to to elevate the work. Elevate. I feel like every time I've worked with Eric, I get better as an actor because I am working around other people who are making me better. Yeah. This is why I bought the twenty nine dollar a month package. You are you are a subscriber. All. That I encourage you all to do because it's just the best way to come to everything Freefall does at a fraction of the cost. Mm-hmm. If you come to a lot of things, you will save a bunch of money. It's a brilliant plan. You know, Eric said it's like streaming, and, and we're not we're noticing a lot of theaters are doing. You know, a lot more theaters are doing it or planning on doing it, and so we're thrilled about how that has 
been received because I'll, honestly, you can pay $29 a month and just see the main stage shows, but you can also see so much more. Like movies with Matt. Movies, and, and uh, uh, that went really great the other night, Young Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah. Did it, did oh, it. yeah. people, We had a nice turnout for that. Well, you know, you had to lay the groundwork for Baskerville coming up. In you the do. Yes. Actually, what we're thinking now is the movies will tie in a bit with, with the, the, oh, with the pieces. Right. At first, that's was, that wasn't what we thought. It was just my See, favorite movies. I just movies. stumbled into that association. Yeah. <laughs> but now I think it's going to quickly become tie in th- right. you know, with the programming. That is very exciting. So, obviously, you are planning on a long affiliation with Freefall, and we will see you back again and again. Yes, and yes. yes. (laughs) So, tell us about uh, Jennifer Krista Palmer. Yes. Tell us about your background. I know that you're originally from Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. but just tell us about, you know, who you are and, um, you know, where you're where you're located at now and whatever you want to tell us about you. I'll give you a quick little nutshell biography. Uh, I grew up outside of Philly. My parents were still there so I get to to get home to visit every now and again and uh, get my fare of the Philly soft pretzel. Uh, My dad is actually coming down. He's flying down to see the show next week. I'm very excited for him to see it. He's a huge history buff and I'm I'm sure I get my my love of history from him. Um, They are just outside of Philadelphia in Hatboro, Pennsylvania. I graduated from Penn State University with my degree in theater. Um, I did, uh, I started working in theater fairly soon thereafter. Um, I also have a big stage combat background, which was, you know, a cool skill to have and that has been used here by Free, mm-hmm. Freefall several times. Quite a few times. Yes. Um, I, uh, I got into TV and film, um, golly, maybe 10 to 15 years ago. And then I moved to Atlanta um, I was there part-time and then moved there full-time uh, in just after the, the pandemic. So I've been working with an agent there, working in TV and film, which I yeah, don't know tell if you us know. some yeah. some things that you've been that you've been a part of. And Atlanta's certainly been the hub of filmmaking. It certainly is. Yeah, that's actually why I ended up there and ended sure. up with representation there as well because of all the opportunities for TV and film. Um, I have worked on a couple of the episodics that happened there. Uh, not as many films, but um, television has been really good to me. Uh, I had a recurring guest star role on the CW show Naomi which was super cool to be in the CW, um, uh, the Warner Brothers DC universe. Yes. I'm also in the Marvel universe as well in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, I was on Dynasty. I did um, uh, uh, The Outsider, which was on HBO. I know you liked that one. Love that. I do have a show coming out this year that I'm under an NDA for that I can't tell you about. But I am a recurring character on that one. Which means it's going to be really good. (laughs) I certainly (laughs) hope so. It was a really cool challenge, and I got to film that in the fall of last year. That's very exciting. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And it's so, isn't it so great, though, that there are more, really more and more and more opportunities in great theater in, in, and in television, expanded offerings, and so many of the uh, companies doing such great work. So, yeah. Um, so, what do you love about being in the St. Pete area? Let's talk, you know, you come to Freefall, you love Freefall, but. You know, let's talk a little bit about the Berg. This is Beauty and the Berg. It is. It is. Uh, St. Pete has a great vibe. There is something really cool about audiences, and maybe it's a combination of St. Pete audiences and freefall audiences, because I've also worked over at American Stage as well. The vibe of audiences when they come to the show, it's not so much that they're going to sit down and, I'm going to listen to a play right now. There's a little bit of an engagement. There's a little bit of energy, a crackle, if you will, um, that I really feel like 
the types of productions that I have been blessed to be a part of have all had a little bit of an interesting edge to them. So the audiences that find it share that edge. Mm. And there's just a little bit of magic, a little bit of kismet that happens. And yeah. that energy that the audience brings into the, into the room, we feed off of that. We can't help it. It's a little bit of a cycle. We, you give to us, we give back to you. And the audiences here in St. Pete have that cool kind of little bit of artsy vibe, a little bit of, little bit of off the beaten cuff, off the um, beaten track. They're not, um, they're not the stodgy. I'm going to sit down and watch the <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're into it. Yeah. They are. The theater people in, in this area are theater people. Mm-hmm. And it's so, not bad having the beach right down the road either. Oh, that doesn't suck. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nat. So give us the deets. Yeah, on absolutely. Run through. Give, you know, give everyone the info. Right. The Agitators is running right now, uh, Wednesdays through Thursdays. Um, select nights, we have special events like tandem series. So you'll have to really check the calendar. But, but Wednesday um, through Sunday. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wednesdays through Sundays. Um, and uh, it's uh, two, matinees at 2 p.m. always and evening shows at 7 p.m. People like the early show. That's fine. We do, love that. Do you have those only on Sunday or are you doing Saturday and Sunday matinees? We do Saturday matinees and Sunday matinees That's at pretty two. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People love the matinees. Um, they really do. And, and that's, I think it's interesting to watch Saturday night become less of a theater night. But we have some interesting things planned for that next season that I can't say. But there will be a, a new time for Saturdays that I think people will really enjoy. But, um, but yeah, so we're running this currently through February 26th. And uh, it's, um, it's, it's, it's been a great show. And I, and I feel in some ways it's one that I, I'm glad we could do this today. I want the word to get out. I don't want people to sleep on this. We've had a few shows here. Some of our favorite shows at Freefall have been the ones that it might sometimes be harder to find an audience. And isn't that always interesting the way that happens? But this is a, a delightful a delightful and uh, thought-provoking show that people don't want to miss. Something you said earlier in the podcast where you asked JCP over here about line memorization. Um, a dear, dear friend of mine, I got to work with him only once as director and so blessed to know him, Frank Galati, who passed away recently. He used to always say about line memorization, he says, never ever think when someone asks you, how do you learn all those lines? Is that some sort of uh, question that just seems like, you know, a throwaway question or a dumb question? How do people learn all those lines? Not many people in this world get up and their job is to learn 90 pages cold. You know, 90 minutes, 90 pages, they have to learn that. It is a gift. It is hard to do. Yes. And um, I think when you do watch this, you go, wow, that's a, lot, that's a lot of words for two people to say. So I think it is just as much a gift as becoming the character and embodying the character as getting the words out, too. It, it, it's a real gift. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Especially I, I, when the words are this good. Yeah, and they're so mm-hmm. good. It's such a good play. And I just, I think that I, I actually love when people ask that question. You hear a lot of actors go, oh, that question. But it's true. It's, it's a magical part of what actors do, where they learn. It really is. Two hours of material. What it's I, baffling. What I loved, though, was, was that that effort was not lost on the audience. Yeah. Seriously, I must have heard it at least five times yeah. around me. How did, how did you oh, do yeah. that? It's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. And we don't have a ton of time for to rehearse. No, so it's, I would have exactly. loved an extra week. Yeah, it would have been amazing. <laughs> I think we all would have, you know. How, and long, it, how long did it take you to get off book? Um, we started day one coming yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, trying to come in as, yeah. as close to possible. Wow. And, you just, and you just keep putting it up there and you just wow. keep trying to, you know, release the book. You know what I mean? Because sometimes you want to hold it just to have it there. You <laughs> I, know? D- I did runs with it tucked under my arm. Yeah. Just because I thought just... osmosis might even help. Yeah. You never know. It's you funny know, how I, the brain works. That's right. I sleep that's next right. to it. I still sleep next oh, to it. Oh yeah. I think that I think that's awesome. See, those are some cool okay. little, you know, actor 
I tell things every actor that people do that that helps them. I tell every actor, and if you're listening, an actor, you got a ton of lines to memorize. You take that those pages out of a book, take it out of a notebook, and put those clips into the side of it. Okay. And you can carry that thing, spin it around, tuck it in your, you can put it by your, in the bathtub, you can read it in the, by the bed. <laughs> by the time I was done with I Love to Eat, the, 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 it was disintegrating. Do you, do you know what I mean? The, the, the book was disintegrating because I, I wanted to really just eat those pages. You know, it had coffee on it and all God knows what. But yeah, it, it's what you do. It's like, you, you know, and I think great actors are constantly looking at that script even after the show is opened. You know, because you just have to keep going over it and going over it because it's it's such an interesting thing. You've got an important story to tell, especially yeah. these two. Well, this is a very important story to tell. Either any, uh, we're we're at the end of the show. Oh my it gosh, not, I can't believe it. I, it goes so fast, I know. especially when you're just chatting. Yeah. So, any things to wrap up? Any you know things that you left on the table that you want to add? That you. I am blessed to get to tell this story every night. And I really think that any audience member that might be on the fence are like, I don't really know if I want to go. Just just do it. Yeah. It's, Join us. Because we're telling really a really great. cool story. Yeah. And the word, the agitator, I sometimes think it's the title, the agitators. People these days, do I want to be agitated? Right. Well, they're not agitating you. you. They right. agitated all the right people throughout <laughs> history. This is who they agitated yes. uh, 150 yes. years ago. They really are uh -huh. disruptors and influencers. Mm -hmm. And they really are. You know, Freefall recently, we've been doing all these plays about American icons, uh, Billie Holiday, Judy Garland. Uh, um, Sister yeah. Rosetta Tharp, That's James right. Beard. We've done right. so many of them at RBG. The, the audiences love taking a look at these people's lives. We almost call it the American Voices series because we really are featuring these incredible American icons. And boy, do these two fit the bill. Yes, oh, I'll say. It's, it's a wonderful conversation. The writing is, I, you know, Matt, I go to a lot of places. You do, you <laughs> do. I mean, I grew up in New York City. You don't do that without being, a, you know, a, a, a theater, theater brat. Maybe. Right, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, this is some of the best dialogue and writing I've seen in a, in a play. Yeah. Honest to goodness. And maybe that's because of my love of history. Or, may, you know, maybe it's because I know enough about theater to know the things that are important and how Matt Smart yeah. accomplishes them all. My main gauge it's a very simple gauge of when i know i've really enjoyed something is that the time zips by yeah yeah and that's what happened last night this is a two-act play it's a two-hour show and it felt like i just sat down honest to goodness wow yeah uh, i'm being very sincere with you so that's that's my initial like you know just basic gauge of when I know I really enjoyed a production. So you guys get out there, go to uh, Freefall Theater, either R-E or E-R, it doesn't matter. They it doesn't matter, work. it works, yeah, dot com. Freefalltheater.com to get your tickets to the Agitators. You've got till February 26th. There are many performances to be seen. I promise you, you're going to be impressed on every level. And I thank you, Jennifer Krista Palmer, thank you, for B uh, JCP, yep. <laughs> as as you are known, to be part of Beauty and the Berg today. Thank you for having me. And Matt McGee on his thirtieth um, uh, thousandth appearance <laughs> on Beauty and the Berg. So true. <laughs> we always love having you. Thank you with so much. Us, so. Love it. And that is going to do it for us today, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Beauty and the Berg. I am your host, Cindy Stovall. I thank my guests. Matt McGee and Jennifer Krista Palmer. Get yourself to Freefall Theater, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.